Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about some playoff clinching scenarios for different teams in the AFC and NFC playoffs are very, very close. We have one more week of the regular season. Really excited to break it all down for you guys. It's coming down to the wire with a lot of these teams. A lot of really cool scenarios, a lot of fun topics to cover. So this episode is probably not going to be as long as usual. I'm only going to have two topics for you today. First, I'm going to talk about <clears throat> the AFC playoff picture and some implications of the games this weekend, what could happen, who could still make the playoffs and what has to happen for them to clinch the division or just clinch a playoff spot. We'll be breaking down all those scenarios. Then we're going to be talking about the NFC. I'm going to split those into two different sections. So there will be timestamps located down below for both of those. If you want to skip to, you know, either one of those conferences, feel free to do so. And then we're going to be getting into some Pro Bowl reactions. The Pro Bowl votes did come out for the AFC and the NFC. I'm going to keep it positive, so I'm not going to be talking about... Actually, I guess it's somewhat negative. I'm not going to be talking about um, any of the actual nominees because I think everyone that made it deserved it. I don't want to take anything away from any one of those guys. But I will be talking about some players that I think got snubbed. I'm going to be reacting to an article on NFL.com. I can't remember exactly who wrote the article, but once I get there, I'll be sure to shout out the name of the article. Doing this one a little differently. I'm not really creating my own snubs um, simply because I haven't had a whole lot of time and I'm running out of time quickly here. I'm recording this on a Wednesday night. I had a very busy weekend, very fun New Year's Eve weekend. If I saw you this weekend, shout out to you. Thanks for hanging out with me. Um, you made my night special and I guess whole weekend special because it kind of turned into a longer weekend. But either way, hope you guys do enjoy it. As always, timestamps located down below and let's get right into it. Okay, first things first, like I mentioned in the intro, we're going to be going over some playoff scenarios in the AFC. We can start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, very, very glad that the Kelsey brothers mentioned this in their podcast. I think this was yesterday, but why the fuck were we talking about firing Mike Tomlin? I think it was just a story completely over hyped by the media. I don't think it ever made sense. 17 seasons in a row of winning football hasn't had a losing record in his entire tenure as a coach he has done a fantastic job with the Pittsburgh Steelers another fantastic job this past weekend going into Seattle and getting it done uh, they had a great game plan they executed it very very well their run game really led the way with 202 yards along the ground but Mason Rudolph you know making plays when they needed it most George Pickens coming up very very big for them in multiple moments uh, obviously their ground game led the way with 202 yards that's you know a lot but their offense as a whole looked very very balanced in this game they weren't too conservative they weren't afraid to take shots down the field and that really came from that run game Jalen Warren Najee Harris both had fantastic games for them along the ground and again when they absolutely needed it most the Pittsburgh Steelers they tend to do this when their backs against the wall they play their excuse me, their very best football. Seattle came up short in this one. If you're a Seattle fan, you have to be very disappointed in that result because that was a very, very important game. Obviously, there's still a world where Seattle can make the playoffs and we'll get to that once we get to that, but that win would have been very, very huge and giving them a lot more leeway, giving them a lot more cushion. And you never really want it to come down to the very last week to make the playoffs. You always want, you know, as much wiggle room as you can and the seattle seahawks certainly going to be playing with their backs against the wall the, the wall this next week 
But now the Pittsburgh Steelers, they go into Baltimore. Baltimore likely, or at least I think they should, be resting Lamar and a lot of their other starters because, as we know, they've already clinched the division. They've already clinched the number one seed. They basically have nothing to play for except for pride. You know, if they want to choose to play some of their starters and knock out their division rivals from playoff contention you know there is a world where i understand that but in the same essence this is a very very violent sport you have an mvp level level player at quarterback you have a lot of other elite starters and i don't think one week off is going to make or break their playoff game that week you know maybe you start them for the first quarter and the rest and the rest of the way if it was me i wouldn't even risk it i wouldn't even be putting those guys out there but Let's get back to the Pittsburgh Steelers for a second because if they win, they aren't necessarily in, but if they win at the Steelers and the Bills lose to the Dolphins in Miami, then they're in. Uh, there's also a scenario where if they win at the Ravens and then the Jaguars lose to the Titans, they would also be in. And then if the Jaguars lose to the Titans, the Broncos win at the Raiders and the Texans Colts do not end in a tie. That is another scenario where they get in. So either way, Pittsburgh will need some help from, you know, outside forces to get into the playoffs but the mere fact of where this offense has been and where this team has been you know throughout the season at times it's looked very very ugly a lot of ups and downs you know some really really good moments obviously the first game without matt canada was a highlight this past week against the seattle seahawks who keep in mind they have been struggling against the run all year long um you know, obviously two weeks ago against the Cincinnati Bengals, Mason Rudolph had a career game that day as well. So very up and down season for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the playoffs, even with a win, are not guaranteed in this one. But want to give my flowers to Mike Tomlin because they have dealt with a lot of adversity this year. Obviously, the defense led the way for most of it. Their ground game was the bread and butter of this offense for most of the season. But the mere fact that they are where they are, it's very impressive and there is still a world where this team can make some noise in the playoffs. Obviously, I'm not fully trusting Mason Rudolph, and sometimes, you know, the play calling can be a rather subpar. We've seen that even, you know, post-Mac Canada, the play calling hasn't always been perfect. But at the end of the day, it's very hard to count out TJ Watt, Mike Tomlin, this defense, what they're able to do. And then, of course, when you have a run game like that, it's very translatable. I'm sure you've heard this a billion times, but it's very true. If you can control both sides of the line of scrimmage, if you can run the ball and play tough defense, you have a chance in the playoffs. It's how Cleveland has been finding ways to win. Of course, Joe Flacco has been helping out a ton. Don't want to take anything away from him there. But I am saying it's a very translatable formula into playoff football. Those are the types of teams that tend to make some noise in the playoffs, tends to make a team, you know, an upset win in the playoffs. We saw that last year. I think a great example of it was the New York Giants going into Minnesota and winning that playoff game. They did it along the ground with Saquon Barkley. They did it by their defense making plays when they needed it. And of course, Danny Dimes was just able to manage that game enough and get by. I think Mason Rudolph can do enough to get the Steelers um, in a position where they could possibly win a playoff game. Again, I'm not making some bold prediction that they're going to, but they're very alive to do so. And again, do not count out Mike Tomlin. Do not count out TJ Watt. Um, this is still a good team in the AFC. 
Let's move on to possibly the most chaotic division right now because there are still three teams very much alive for a division title. And I can't really remember the last time three teams were alive in week 18, not just for playoffs in the same conference or in the same division, rather, not even conference. But the fact that three teams still have a shot at the division title for week 18 is so much fun. And if you're an AFC South fan going into this weekend, you have to be stressing. First off, we can start with the Texans. Of course, if they they can win the division, if the Jaguars lose, lose at the Titans and they beat the Colts, which don't get me wrong, Jaguars more than likely going to win that game, but it is in Tennessee. Tennessee, you know, still wants to play for pride. I'm sure Mike Vrabel is not just going to hang up the cleats, tell his guys to, you know, pack it up for next season. I don't think that's going to be the case at all. Ryan Tannehill still has a lot to play for. He's going to be, looks like he's going to be starting again because Will Levis is still dealing with that ankle injury. He still wants to prove that he is a guy that belongs in this league as a starter because obviously we've seen throughout times this year they've gone to levis it seems like levis is going to be their guy going forward so Tannehill, this might be a huge game for him as far as future implications of his career and just where he might end up whether it be on the titans or somewhere else this is a very big game for him so of course the Tennessee titans still have a lot to play for and if the jacksonville jaguars lose there's still a chance that they don't even make the playoffs entirely so of course the same is true for the Colts. Um, if they find a way to beat the Texans, it is at home and they are favorites. So again, Vegas is thinking they will end up winning that game. Then if Jacksonville does end up losing to the Tennessee Titans, then the Colts are the ones that win the AFC South. But on the flip side of that, <laughs> this gets really complicated here, but stay with me. If the Jaguars win, then they clinch the NFC South straight up. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Doesn't matter if the Colts or the Texans win in that game. As long as the Jaguars win, they win the South. And the winner of the Texans and the Colts would make the playoff as a wild card. So hopefully you kept up with me there. I know it was a lot. Um, but either way, the AFC South is super, super chaotic. Three teams are still alive. More than likely, two of them are going to make it. Um, whether it be, you know... Jaguars uh let me let me put it this way if the Jaguars lose they're more than likely out but if the Colts and the Texans tie then it becomes a whole crap shoot and three of these teams can make it the Jaguars can make it as division leaders the Colts and the Texans could make it as wildcard teams. It gets very, very complicated. Again, more than likely, we're not going to see a tie. Again, we know how rare ties are in the NFL. But more than likely, two of these teams out of the AFC South are going to make it. Um, I'm not telling you to bet on any one of them because I truly don't know what's going to happen from just speaking out of pure personal preference because it's my show and I don't have to you know, show non-bias one way or another. I can be as biased as I want. I want the Texans to make it just purely for storyline. I love what CJ Stroud was able to do. I think if he didn't miss those couple of games, then they'd more than likely already be in the playoffs by this point. But I just think the story is awesome. I love what they've been able to do basically in one offseason, flipping this team completely around and making them, you know, no, I want to, I don't want to say Super Bowl contenders or anything like that, but the mere fact that they are where they are after all this team has been through and especially the year they had last year, um, a lot of people, you know, Gave them a lot of slack for winning that week 18 game against the Colts and not ending up with the number one overall pick. Instead, the Chicago Bears found themselves with the number one overall pick, but it all ended up working out. Obviously, taking CJ Stroud, trading up for Will Anderson. A lot of people, including myself, I think, were pretty critical of that move as well because we all thought, you know, that with that trade, 
you're going to end up trading a first round pick from the next year that's going to be a very very high pick now the houston texans have a shot of making the playoffs in large part because they made that risk to go get a will anderson so credit the, this front office credit this coaching staff they have an incredible run this year i hope they end up making it to the dance because I just really root for this team, and I think it's really, really cool what they've been able to do. Of course, the Colts, they've dealt with diversity themselves. You know, obviously, their future franchise quarterback, at least they hope he can be, and Anthony Richardson going down earlier in this year. Uh, longtime backup, Gardner Minshew coming in and keeping this team afloat. Either way, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens in the AFC South because there are still a lot of teams alive. The division is still wide open for someone to take it. Luckily for the Jaguars, if you are a Jaguars fan, uh, they should get Christian Kirk and Zay Jones back this week at full strength. So that certainly helps those odds. But again, either way, can't count out Tennessee. They still have a lot to play for. And this AFC South race is getting very, very, very exciting. Now, possibly the most important game of the entire weekend, we got the Buffalo Bills going into Miami. If the Bills win, they would steal the number two seed and clinch the AFC East. The Dolphins would drop all the way down to the sixth seed because I'm pretty sure uh, no matter what, the Browns already clinched that five seed. I could be wrong about that one, but I think that's how it ended up working out. And again, as opposed to being a two seed and hosting one of those teams, likely from the AFC South, either the Colts or the Texans, they would be the sixth seed and more than likely go on the road to play in Kansas City. Obviously, already lost them early this year. That game was in Frankfurt, Germany. Kansas City not quite looking like the same team. Um, that's no surprise at all. They've dropped a, a few of these games. They more than likely shouldn't have dropped. Obviously, the Raiders went into Kansas City a couple weeks ago and frankly, kicked their, kicked their teeth in, gave them a good ass whooping. Um, so Miami... It was a huge swing, you know, going from the two seed hosting a playoff game to being the six seed going into Kansas City. It doesn't matter that they've slipped a few games. It's still Kansas City. It's still a really, really hard stadium to go in there and win. They've been there, done that before. They've hosted a ton of playoff games. You know, they've I don't think they've had an away playoff game in six years, something like that. Um, so they're very experienced, know what they're doing. And of course, it's Patrick Mahomes, it's Andy Reid, it's Travis Kelsey. We know what they've done, been able to do. We've seen them do it time and time and time again. And of course, the Bills are staying red hot. They could be a very, very dangerous number two seed. Um, they will host, you know, at least two playoff games, maybe three if the Baltimore Ravens find themselves getting upset earlier on in the playoffs. So the Buffalo Bills, this is a huge game for both of these teams. This is probably the game of the week. And if they don't win, the Buffalo Bills, that is, because they are three-point favorites in this one. Obviously, Vegas expects them to win. We know how Miami performs against teams with a winning record. And even beyond that, I mentioned it earlier, Buffalo is just red hot right now. They're playing very, very good football. If they don't win, they're still likely in the playoffs, but if Jacksonville wins and Pittsburgh wins, as well as the Colts and the Texans don't tie, they miss the playoffs entirely. So the Bills have a lot to play for in this one. Going to be really, really exciting. I cannot wait for that game. And again, it's probably the game of the weekend, just purely off of implications alone. I'm here for it. Let's get into the NFC side of things. Okay, moving on to the NFC. Let's start with Green Bay. Um, this one, this section is going to be much shorter. Probably only going to spend about five minutes on this one. Like I mentioned, this episode's going to be shorter than most of them, but I'll probably have an Instagram post to go with it. So you guys have something, you know, 
a little more content from me. Let's start with Green Bay, though, because Green Bay, obviously playing my Chicago Bears, my Chicago Bears, playing really, really good football right now. Obviously, their defense has really stepped it up since Montez Sweat has been there, but their past couple weeks, their offense has really turned it on as well. Justin Fields arguably coming off one of, if not the best games of his entire career against the Atlanta Falcons in the snow. Elite performance. He played really, really well in that game. Um, his stats would have been even better if Tyler Scott can just hold on to a couple of those balls and stay in bounds as well as just catch the ball, frankly. Um, his stats would have been even better because his stats were phenomenal as is. Um, you guys know how I feel about Justin Fields. I hope he stays around. Love the chance of we want Fields, we want Fields. That was fucking so cool to see. But either way, Green Bay, if they win, they're in. It's that simple. Technically, they could tie and still get in, but they would need a ton of help. So I'm not going to get into the, that whole scenario. But this is eerily similar to what happened to them last year. They got hot at the end of the year. They won four games in a row, and they had a Week 18 matchup against a division rival that was already eliminated from playoff contention, that being the Detroit Lions. Last year, this year, it's now the Chicago Bears. Both of those teams were red hot coming into Lambeau Field. And of course, technically didn't have anything to play for as far as playoff implications, but you know they're going to be hungry to knock off their division rivals, keep them out of the playoffs. And frankly, I think they're going to do it. I know I'm biased and I know I'm a Bears fan, but I said it last year with the Lions and I'm saying it here again. I just think this team is so hot right now. I think they're so motivated to prove to the rest of the league and their fan base as well that they are here. They're going to arrive next year. They're playing with supreme confidence right now. I just love the vibes in this locker room as a whole. The fact that Matt Eberflus is likely keeping his job. We know Ryan Pace is going to be, or Ryan Poles, excuse me, is going to be coming back at least one more year. I just like where this team is at right now. Um, and of course, I am biased. I am a Bears fan, but... I just really think that Green Bay's defense has not looked good at all. I think Justin Fields continues his role, continues to play with confidence, and I think they find a way to go into Green Bay, win that game, knock Green Bay out of the playoffs, and I will be a very, very happy camper. Up next, Tampa Bay. They're, they clinched the NFC South with a win over the Panthers. It's that easy. Um, there's other ways where if the Falcons can beat the Saints, then the Falcons clinch the NFC South. Or sorry, if the Falcons beat the Saints and then Tampa Bay loses, then they would clinch. Um, and the same goes for the Saints. If the Saints beat the Falcons and Tampa Bay loses against the Panthers, um, which again, weirder shit happens week 18. You never know. Any given Sunday, something like that can happen. So definitely a possibility, but... I would, I would expect Tampa to beat the Panthers, clinch the NFC South, and that be that. End up with the four seed, you know, hosting one of these teams, um, either Philadelphia or the Cowboys, depending on who wins that game. Again, I expect the Cowboys to beat the Commanders and end up with the number two seed in the NFC and clinch the NFC East and the the Eagles to be the number five seed, but there's still a world if the commanders end up somehow beating the Dallas Cowboys, the Eagles can still clinch the two seed and the NFC East. I don't expect that to be the case. Either way, Tampa Bay likely to host the Cowboys or the Eagles. Up next, the Seahawks, they can clinch a playoff spot with a win and a Green Bay loss. So again, I, that would be very ideal for me. I'm biased. I really like the Seahawks. I just like a lot of their personnel. I like Geno Smith. I like his story. I like a lot of their players. Kenneth Walker, or sorry, Kenneth Walker. Kenneth, uh, 
Yeah, Kenneth Walker. What am I saying? That's his name. I don't know why I was double-guessing myself. Kenneth Walker, their running back, um, loved him coming out of Michigan State. Shout out Michigan State. Um, my uncle teaches there. I also love Devon Witherspoon. He was probably my favorite player in the entire draft last year. I just love a lot of their players. I love Jackson Smith and Jigba. He was my wide receiver one. Uh, again, one of my favorite players in the entire draft last year. So I just like a lot of their players. I like Pete Carroll, and I hope they find a way um, to win this weekend. And I hope Green Bay loses to the Bears because that would make me a happy camper as well. That's all I got for the NFC section. Let's get into some Pro Bowl snubs. All right, so before I get into the official list, and it is written by Kevin Patra around the NFL writer, so shout out to him. This is not my list. I did not write this, but I do want to say some names that I do have for myself that were snubbed, and I do think they were deserving of making it this year. A couple of those guys include Kobe Turner, Rams defensive tackle. If you guys have listened to my podcast, you know I was very high on him before the draft. I loved his film. I thought he was extremely dominant. I thought he went way too late in the draft, and he's really turned it on, especially the past few weeks. He's been incredible playing opposite Aaron Donald. Uh, Bobby Okereke, another linebacker um, for the Giants. He has a fantastic season, very under the radar season. Again, I think a lot of these guys don't make the Pro Bowls when they're just not on very good teams. I think that seems to be the problem with Okereke here because he has been incredible. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, he has filled up the stat sheets in tons of ways, tons of tackles for loss, flies around really, really good off the ball linebacker. I think he's extremely underrated. Another guy I voted for in the Pro Bowl, but didn't end up making it. Either way, probably should have. But I get the guys that made it fully deserve to. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. I just want to give these guys some credit. Um, up next, Ivan Pace Jr. for the Vikings. He's an undrafted rookie out of Cincinnati. He has fit very, very well into this scheme and this system. I love the way that um, Brian Flores has been able to use him. I forgot his name for a second. I love what he's been able to do there. Obviously, my guy, DJ Moore, having a career high in receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, receptions. He's single-handedly taken over some games like that Commanders game. Um, again, bias, I know, but I don't care. Absolutely love DJ Moore. Wish he made the Pro Bowl. Bummed he didn't. CJ Stroud, another guy. I think if he stayed healthy the whole year, he probably would have made it. Uh, I just feel like he was more deserving over of it over guys like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Josh Allen didn't make it as well, which is pretty cool. Um, I, don't, I don't mean cool in like a like a me hating Josh Allen way. I mean cool and like it's cool to see new faces come in. Um, but I really thought CJ Stroud was going to be able to make it, and I just think he's deserving of it considering the expectations around him and his team and what he's been able to do this year. Obviously, having one of the best rookie years in recent history, CJ Stroud would have loved if he was able to make it. But again, there's only so many people that can make it, and only three quarterbacks make it in. So I do understand it from that point of view. But let's get into the list uh, from Kevin Patra of Around the NFL. Number 10, he's got Dustin Hopkins, the Cleveland Browns kicker. He was my kicker for almost the entire season in fantasy football. He was fantastic this year. Um, went eight from eight for, from 50 plus yards with a long of 58. He was fantastic. Again, not going to spend too much time on him. But number nine is really where I want to spend some more time because this is a guy that I would have loved to see make it. Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb, was fantastic it sucks to see him go down the way he went down um, with his ACL tear this past week obviously the Dolphins already lost Jalen Phillips to a torn Achilles so that really is going to affect him in a lot of ways um, 
a position that they were doing very, very well at. They were second in the league in sacks. They were getting very consistent pressure. Adrian Van Ginkle was making um, his name known around the NFL scene once Jalen Phillips went down. Uh, him and Bradley Chubb were one of the best pass rushing duos in the entire league. But now it's just Van Ginkle there. Bradley Chubb going down for the year with that torn ACL really sucks. Uh, just such a bummer. He was having a really, really good year. League high, six forced fumbles. That is tied for the most in the league. 11 sacks on the year, 78 quarterback pressures. That's seventh amongst all defenders. And Per next-gen stats, he was at 17.6 quarterback pressure rate. That's better than guys like Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa. Both of those guys are at 17%. So a guy that I think is incredibly underrated, his stats really do go under the radar because they're really good, and I just don't think he gets talked about enough. Would have loved to see Bradley Chubb make the Pro Bowl. Either way, hope he gets healthy soon because it really does suck that he tore his ACL the way that he did. Again, a lot of people giving Mike... McDaniels a hard time because why is he even in the game at that point you know there's only a few minutes left in the game you're down multiple possessions it's well out of reach he probably shouldn't have been on the field in that case and I totally understand that argument it sucks to see him go down that type of way up next Derek Brown defensive tackle for the Carolina Panthers he really has stood out as one of the light alone bright spots for this squad down in Carolina I couldn't believe his stats when I read him because he only has one sack, um, but he's not really a pressure guy. He moves very, very well and might be a guy that jumps very quickly in his sack total next year. Might be one of those guys that jumps onto the scene in a very big way because I think more people, obviously we expect the Panthers to be better, at least somewhat better next year. You know, hopefully if you're a Panthers fan, shout out Reese, not the number one overall um, pick bad again you know you'd expect him to get better so maybe Derek Brown's name uh, is on the scene a lot more by this time next year but 96 tackles from someone at that position is absolutely absurd I thought I read it wrong I literally thought it was an error like I checked three different sites he actually has 96 tackles if you don't know that's insane for someone playing at that position um, including six of those for losses Brown had 74 stops. It's 10 more than the next closest at his position. A stop rate of 8.8 .8 is the best among all defensive tackles with at least 500 snaps. So he is really, really damn good. Also generating 31 quarterback pressures, uh, thir 13 quarterback hits, six batted passes. That's second most amongst all defensive tackles. So again, not a lot going right for the Carolina Panthers, but Derek Brown individually is having a really, really good year um, for the Carolina Panthers. Up next, Amara St. Brown. I'm going to skip over Kevin Dotson, um, but Amara St. Brown earning a spot, um, and not earning a spot, excuse me, because there's just so many good wide receivers. And I, from that point of view, I do get it. But he's been so important to this Lions offense, really been part of their identity and turning this team around. Obviously, he's tough as nails. He's so unafraid of catching the balls over the middle. And he's tied for second in the entire league with 112 catches. He's just been fantastic all season long for the Detroit Lions. A huge reason why they've been so successful this year. Fifth in the NFL in receiving yards with over 1,300. I mean, it's just whenever Jared Goff seems like he needs a big play, he's going to this guy. Um, it's It's been incredible. It's like third in Amon Ra. He's just so consistent. And he has 
literally done it all for the Detroit Lions. He's rushing the ball. He's taking on jet sweeps. He barely drops the ball ever. He's got extremely good hands. Um, you know, maybe not the most defined route runner, but just a very well-rounded all-around player who's been fantastic for the Detroit Lions. Wish he would have made the Pro Bowl. Up next, I cannot believe this guy didn't make the Pro Bowl because he is having just an insane year. Quincy Williams for the New York Jets. Um, finally, you know, living up to the Williams name. Obviously, older brother of Quinnen Williams, who did make the Pro Bowl himself. But this guy has been everywhere. His numbers told tell the story. 131 tackles, 15 of those for loss. He got one interception, 10 passes defended. That's second most amongst all linebackers behind only Fred Warner. He also leads all linebackers with 93 stops. And again, he's just been fantastic this year. A true heat-seeking missile. Him and CJ Mosley, possibly the best linebacker duo in the league. You know, up there with guys like Roquan, um, Patrick Queen, you know, Dre Greenlaw and uh, Fred Warner. So Quincy Williams, a guy who is just continuously underrated. I thought he was very, very good last year. He brought it to a whole nother level this year. He has been fantastic for the New York Jets. Uh, I'm going to skip over Josh Allen because I mentioned him a little bit earlier. It's just tough because there's so many good quarterbacks in this league. And frankly, I don't know if he was fully deserving of it. I know he's been racking up the fantasy points and he's been a stud for those teams, but the turnovers really have killed him at times this year. Um, I just don't think that he, how do I put this? He's like, has the highest ceiling, but the lowest floor of these superstore quarterbacks where he can make the every single play in the book, but he also will just make some crucial errors that cost his team some games. And that's just the reality of the situation. So I will say number three on this on uh, Kevin's list. He's got Brandon Ayuk. I was surprised that Brandon Ayuk did not make Ayuk. Excuse me, did not make the Pro Bowl simply because he's been having a fantastic year. He's currently sitting at sixth in the league um, in receiving yards at over thirteen hundred. He leads all players in the entire league with eighteen point three yards per catch this season and has a catch percentage of seventy one point three. Uh, it's just really, really, really good numbers. Super important to this San Francisco 49ers offense. Obviously, him and Debo Samuel are the main pass catchers. But Brandon Ayuk, it seems like whenever they need a play, they go to him. And he's been fantastic. One of the best route runners in the entire NFL. And pretty surprised he did not make the Pro Bowl. At number two, we've got Legereus Sneed. If you guys know me, you guys know I love Legereus Sneed. The one knock on him really is just his penalties. But he has been fantastic. He hasn't allowed a touchdown all season long, according to PFF. And he is extremely physical he's dealt with a lot of really really big time wide receivers um shut them down at times and he has been fantastic it's 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 just kind of remarkable to me that he wasn't able to make the pro bowl because he is legitimately playing at an all pro level tons of pass breakups tons of pbus uh tons of pass deflections legereus sneed has been incredible for the kansas city chiefs and at number one i have to completely agree with this antoine winfield jr i don't know how the fuck this guy did not make the pro bowl i guess not a lot of people are watching the tampa bay buccaneers but he has been filling up the stash sheet in every single way again another guy that i think he's going to be an all pro this year and the fact that he didn't make the pro bowl is just 
doesn't make sense and it doesn't add up and i don't know what nfl fans want from him because from the safety position he's got 117 tackles an insane amount of tackles five of those are for loss five sacks seven quarterback hits five forced fumbles he's recovered four of them three interceptions and 12 passes broken up i mean i just truly do not understand how you can leave this guy out and again Kevin said it great in his article here where he doesn't want to take anything away from the starting safeties that did make it, but the mere fact that he's not in it is just, it doesn't make any sense. It's travesty. It's a sham. It's not fair to him. It's not fair to the Pro Bowl. It's not fair to us as the fans because we're not watching closely enough. He's been fantastic this year. He's going to make the All-Pro team more than likely, and he should have been a Pro Bowler, but that's going to do it for me, guys. I know it's a little bit shorter than usual. I, I'm sorry. I've been very, very busy. I'm going to try to put together a little Instagram post for you after I eat some dinner because I am starving right now. But either way, hope you did enjoy this episode. Be sure to follow me here on Apple Music or Spotify, wherever you're listening to the podcast. Be sure to go follow me over at Murphy's League on Instagram. I'm trying to get more active on there. I appreciate each and every single one of y'all. Hope you have a great rest of your night and peace out.